The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. We're going to start off today with a little politics and or some events, some uh, things that happened, and then we're going to move into the real meat of the program by getting into the gun stuff, because the SHOT Show was a few weeks ago, and I want to go over some cool new stuff that's coming out that everybody should start saving their pennies for now. But we're going to go to uh, South Carolina, and there's a gentleman there who's facing charges for involuntary manslaughter. Now, this is weird because it was a Calif- uh, South Carolina gun store owner who shot and killed a friend and coworker. And there's no claim to self-defense or anything. They were just these guys were apparently goofing around in the store. He accidentally supposedly mistook his Glock for a BB gun and accidentally shot his friend. Okay, this is just this violates like almost every rule of gun safety. Especially when you're dealing with real weapons, why would you not at least look at it carefully before picking up and pointing at somebody, especially when it's your gun? You should know where it is, what its state of loading is. So anyway, they they heard the bang, he fell to the ground, they called the EMS, and uh, currently he's being held on $15,000 bond, which, I mean, I don't think the guy was going to run. He didn't mean to shoot his friend, apparently. It was completely an accident. But it shows complete disregard for gun safety laws. Don't point a gun at anything you don't intend to shoot. And if it's a BB gun or you think it's a BB gun, why would you want to shoot somebody with a BB gun anyway? That's just stupid. You can put an eye out. We've all seen the movie. But he ended up shooting this guy with his real Glock instead of the BB gun look-alike. So it's just cardinal rules of gun safety violated and accidents happen when you're stupid. And apparently this guy deserves some sort of lesson here. I mean, he he didn't supposedly, supposedly it was a purely an accident, didn't mean to do it, but it was an accident that could have been prevented with a little bit of common sense. So pay attention, people. I mean, I know, especially if you have airsoft guns or any kind of model guns that look like the real guns that you own, be extremely careful, and even those, don't point them at people unless you're playing a game that requires that and everything, everything that goes into that arena is checked thoroughly before it is allowed to be used. I mean, this isn't the same, but, you know, this is similar to the Alec Baldwin issue. He had a gun. He thought it was unloaded. He was practicing for a scene he was about to do, and he ended up pulling the trigger and killing somebody. That, to me, is less reckless than this is, because he was told, here's the gun, it's been it's been checked, every gun he's ever handled on the set has been checked and double-checked, or should have been, and this, for some reason, his got away, slipped through the cracks. This guy worked in a gun store, he was a gun store owner, he knew better, but because he gets so, I guess, comfortable with being around the guns, he forgets that they are... They can be dangerous tools when used improperly. They can be dangerous when they're used properly, too, but against the correct people. So here he accidentally shot his friend and co-worker and killed his friend and co-worker because he didn't take the time to make sure the gun he was using was actually a BB gun he thought he picked up instead of an actual weapon. So be careful, people. This is just this is a stupid mistake that never should have happened. But the fact that it did means there are always people who will violate the rules of gun safety and do stupid things. So there you go. It's just uh, annoying, annoying, annoying. 
Now we're going to go to a uh, college campus because they're always fun when it comes to anti-gun stuff. Um, now, I'm sure everybody is, should be familiar now with the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. He was found not guilty of uh, murder or assault or anything because in his case, these guys were trying to assault him, trying to kill him, and he defended himself. Now, he was found not guilty of all charges. But now he, he was enrolled in nursing classes at ASU, and an investigation revealed he was taking virtual classes, not attending in person because members of a group called Students for Socialism at ASU decided they did not want him to be in class with them because they felt, I don't know, threatened or they felt like they had the power to tell somebody what they could do, even though he was found innocent on all charges. No guilt whatsoever on his part other than what he feels himself. No legal guilt, no legal responsibility whatsoever. These college students take it upon themselves to try and ban him from getting his classes. And the fact that the university allows them to exist as an official, I guess, club or membership on the campus, to me, is just ridiculous. Anybody who tries to force somebody out of a learning situation because of their personal beliefs, because they don't like the guy for whatever reason, this is just, this is a witch hunt, pure and simple. They're using him as an example, and they need to stop this, and this school needs to get off their butt and get in here and say, no, we're not going to stand up to hatred of people because they their ideas may differ from yours, because he was put in a difficult situation, came out of it alive and not guilty of any wrongdoing, and this group decides they don't want him in class because they, they, they're afraid or they're scared or they... Whatever their issue is, they need to take their issue. Go see a psychiatrist. Get out of school. You don't belong in the public if you can't deal with every people, with all people on a regular basis, just because you don't like them. You know, this is not a school. This is not a schoolyard. You're not, you know, eight years old being a bully. But apparently, if you go to college at ASU, you can start a group that bullies other people with no problem. And they say they saying they don't feel safe knowing that a mass shooter who has expressed violent intentions about protecting property over people is so carelessly allowed to admit it to the school at all, which is ridiculous. He, when it came to defending the property, he ran. He said, "You know what? I'm not going to shoot somebody over property." When they attacked him, when they ran him down, beat him over the head with a skateboard, tried to kill him, pointed a gun in his head. Yeah, then he took action and defended himself. He wasn't a mass shooter. He wasn't protecting property. It just, it almost makes you wish these people who are in these groups would have to deal with direct violence once or twice in their lives to see how they would feel. How would they react? Would they think it was okay if someone bashed them and beat them in the street? That would be okay as long as they don't hurt anybody's property. It's okay to beat them almost to death. That's fine. It's because they have no idea. They're, they've lived in this protected bubble their whole lives, and they have no idea what the real world is like. They don't realize evil exists, and if you don't stop it, nobody else will. All that is required for evil to thrive is for good people to do nothing. And these people go beyond that and do the opposite of what they should do. It's crazy because it's years ago, socialism was recognized for what it was. A terrible, awful system of government that penalized people for producing, that penalized people for thinking for themselves. And now these quote-unquote socialists want to have their own clubs on campus and want to promote their ideology. The funny thing that they don't realize is if there was socialism, they would be stifled. They wouldn't be allowed to express any ideas. But they're just too stupid. 
and you know, and they called him a white supremacist. They called him a racist murderer. I mean, they're just calling names, afraid for their. I don't know what they're afraid of. This guy was innocent of everything. He would be the one guy I'd want to run to if something was going down. He'd be the one guy who had some experience in defending himself and other people. He took it upon himself to get out of a situation where he could have been accused of defending property and said, you know what, I'm going to run, I'm going to go find the cops, I'm going to turn myself in, I want to get out of this situation where I may be forced to encounter somebody. But nope, those people decided to chase him down, knock him to the ground, try and kill him, and he defended himself, rightly so, and was found innocent on all charges. So you socialist at ASU? Oh, I don't want to tell you what I think you should do. But anyway... This kind of stuff exists out there. Don't let it thrive. You have to stop this. You've got to shut it down. And the University of Arizona, Arizona State University, needs to shut this down right away. They need to not allow this club to be on campus. They're preaching hate. They're preaching, you know, they're preaching prejudice. They are the exact enemies of what we are trying to make in America. We want America to be non-judgmental. We want America to be non-racist. We want it to be legal in every respect. Equality under the law. You don't punish somebody for something they were found completely innocent of. That's just that. That's a witch hunt, pure and simple. And these guys need to be stopped. I leave it to the University of Arizona. You need to stop this. You need to get this taken care of. There's no reason for that to even exist. So there's one more thing to look at. Next, I have to get these quickly. I was a little late today. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. But um, it was funny. There's, you know, it's funny. Gun stores, liquor stores, certain adult establishments are not allowed to open within so many feet of a school. And a lot of times I can understand that. You don't want certain things that available to children. Although, you know, if they have to walk home from school, they probably walk past a lot of this stuff anyway. Every kid walking more than a mile from school probably walks past a convenience store or liquor store on the way home, undoubtedly. But for some reason, they think a gun store is something that should not be within so many feet of a school. And it's odd because, you know, you're not going to allow some 12-year-old to walk in and buy a gun. It would be ridiculous. In fact, they probably would not even allow anybody under 18 to come into the store anyway. That should be a policy they would institute. But... They had this. They had an issue, and this uh, store was trying to be opened within a middle school. And despite the concerns that they were, you know, firearms were close to the school and a child care center, they decided to allow it to operate, which to me is perfectly legal. I mean, it's one of the few rights that is specifically spelled out in the Bill of Rights as something that shall not be infringed upon, and to put any restrictions on it. Let me back up. Any restrictions is a little broad. I'll say any restrictions for any law-abiding legal citizen or citizen who can legally own a weapon is not right. It's illegal. Now, granted, I understand you have to check people because people will lie. Felons will try and buy guns. You don't want felons to have guns. That's just that's bad business. You know, <laughs> That's probably why they became felons in the first place because they got weapons they weren't supposed to have. But they had a you know a planning commission, and uh, they were divided in the vote, but they decided to let him start selling guns in a former pharmacy. Now, this is one block away from the middle school and the children's center, and uh, there are two members on the planning commission as well as a school teacher voiced opposition to the store, and they questioned the new firearm dealership if, if it could operate or not. But 
It was within, you know, it was within a thousand feet of a school, and gun stores apparently are exempt from this. So they don't have the law that the gun stores aren't allowed to operate. So you can't sell alcohol. You and the fact that the pharmacy was there, they were selling drugs. Oh my God! What if kids were to walk in and get illegal drugs from the pharmacist? You know, what if they walk in and steal stuff? That would seem more dangerous than a guy with a gun store where the guns are all locked up all the time anyway. And they would know not to let anybody even in the store. While a pharmacy, a kid could walk in and buy candy or, you know, whatever, snacks, and then maybe get in to steal some pharmaceuticals. In a gun store, he's not even allowed to walk in the store unless he's 18 or over. So here we go. Gun store was allowed within 1,000 feet of a school, and that's where it shall remain. So, you know, Second Amendment is upheld in some places more so than others. Now, I'm sure... If this was in a hardcore anti-gun state such as California and New York, they probably would have shut this down completely. There would have been no issue that this would not have been to allow to exist, which is awful. I mean, it's just, you know, it's uh, it just irritates me, and I can't even express enough how awful this kind of thing is, that people will look at the Second Amendment and think they're going to modify it, change the way they interpret it, even though it's extremely clear, extremely concise, and probably the easiest of all the Bill of Rights to understand. Now, they go to Texas. This was uh, about a month or so ago in a synagogue in Texas. There was a standoff. Okay, imagine this. This is how the author puts it. You're sitting in a place of worship, and some psychopath comes in and decides no one gets to leave. Now, you don't know what he's going to do. I mean, is he going to blow himself up? Is he going to shoot himself in the head? Is he going to shoot all the... The worshiper's there, but he's got a gun, and he's threatening everybody, telling nobody can leave. And, you know, all these people come to the synagogue. They have a standoff for 11 hours. And then in the end, the un, un, unharmed, the hostage taker is dead after a hostage rescue team breached the building. Now, could you imagine if some of the worshipers had weapons in there? Now, he wouldn't know who they were, and if they had proper training, they would have been able to put an end to this almost immediately or within several minutes probably it would never would have lasted 11 hours now would they have been as effective as the breaching team that came in i don't know that's something that truly depends on on training there was a fellow oh what was his name jack watson i think it was who shot the the gentleman who came into a church somewhere in texas and was threatening people and he shot him within seconds of him revealing his weapon well, we're going to come back to this in a few minutes. We're going to take a quick break. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. It's all about cars and car people on the Classic Auto Mall podcast. Listen to new shows every week on americaswebradio.com at 9 a.m. Eastern. After that, episodes are available there and on podcast providers such as Spotify and Google Play. Each week, Classic Auto Mall President Stuart Howden serves as your podcast host and interviews personalities from every aspect of the automotive world. Collectors, photographers, classic car dealers, and everyone in between. You don't want to miss an episode of the Classic Auto Mall podcast. 
Check out more at ClassicAutoMall.com. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives, as a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism. He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. We're back. Now, right before we left for the break, we were talking about a synagogue standoff that ended 11 hours later with just the hostage taker being shot and killed. Now, nobody knows his motive for why he was doing this or what uh, issues he had. He claimed to have explosives, according to the statements he made on a live stream video, but the police have not made comment as to whether any other weapons were found. So, now let's just get into this real quick. Okay, they identified the man as a 44-year-old British national, Malik Faisal Akram. Now, I'm not going to say anything about his uh, political leanings or (laughs) his possible religious affiliations. But, uh, you know, an hours long... And we're back again. Welcome back into the Doctor's Oops. Lounge. I'm your host, Doctor Hal Schurz. Every week, Stand by. myself or Technical my co-host, Doctor Scott Barber, comes to you to. And we're back once again for a third time, folks. It's not exciting if something weird doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back. Okay, back to the synagogue. We have Malik Faisal Akram, a 44-year-old British national who was identified as the hostage taker who ended up being killed, and nobody else was hurt during this standoff. You know, and uh, they had one firearm that they believed belonged to him. Now, what this poses is a question to me. Okay, say your place of worship or your place of where you like to eat has a policy where they don't allow firearms. Or they have a sign on the door saying, you know, no farms allowed inside. That's our policy. The question is, what do you do? Do you go put your gun in the car and hope somebody will cover you or take care of things for you? Do you hope your safety will be insured by somebody else? Or do you take care of that yourself? Now, just recently in Georgia, they had a law that was pending that would have made the place who told you you could not carry your weapon responsible for your safety if anything were to happen. 
involving any kind of violence where you could have defended yourself with a weapon. Now, there were some difficulties to it because it kind of went beyond the case of, you know, it went to mental trauma and things like that, which was kind of crazy, where something happened that store would be responsible for your psychological well-being if you saw something transpire that, that made you uh, <clears throat> mentally unstable. But I think if you were to see yourself being saved by somebody with a gun, that would probably negate all that because you're still alive to talk about it. But anyway... You know, I, and I'm not going to tell you to do something against the policies of a place you worship or against any store or against any restaurant you go to. I'm not going to tell you to ignore their policies, but I would tell you to consider carefully continuing to patronize a business that does not allow you to exercise your Second Amendment rights. Consider it carefully. And if you do decide that you're going to violate their policy, that you're constitutional right trumps their corporate policy, do so in a a quiet, cautious manner. Don't be obvious about it. Be as discreet as you possibly can and try not to stir up anybody because it just it makes all concealed carriers look really bad if something like that, that goes down and you start getting into a fight with an establishment over whether or not you can have a weapon or not. If it comes down to it, you can always walk out and say, I'm sorry, I didn't see the sign, and leave. I have yet to see a sign that says I couldn't carry a gun, but then I'm not very observant all the time. Or sometimes I see no weapons allowed or have a picture of a Beretta with a circle and a slash to it, and I don't carry a Beretta, so I figure I'm okay. You know, if I have my Glock or my Taurus or my Smith & Wesson, I'm okay because that was a picture of Beretta. Clearly, it was a picture of Beretta. So I didn't carry one, so I'm going to use that as my understanding. Now, it's up to you to make these decisions for yourself. I'm not encouraging anyone to violate company policies, but I'm also in encouraging you to support your constitutional right to do so. Now, in this case, in the synagogue, nobody else was hurt except the man who took the hostages. So in the end, it worked out okay. You know, nobody was hurt except they may have been mentally traumatized or scared or, you know, whatever, but nobody was physically injured by this guy. So just be aware of that. And this took 11 hours until they finally got in and breached the building. I mean, imagine sitting there for 11 hours not knowing whether you're going to live to see the next day or not. I just, you know, and the synagogue, of course, didn't have any way to protect its people other than just waiting for the police to arrive or law enforcement to come and try and fix it. And, you know, would it have been better if somebody had a weapon there? Maybe. But only if they had the level of training and competence and confidence to defend the other people in there, knowing when to act, when not to act, and how to do it to make sure that the result was the same, that only the bad guy was taken out and nobody else was wounded in the process. You know, the guy who buys a gun, shoots it once uh, every six months at the range and carries it with him every day, that may not be the best guy to be in this situation. That may not be the guy you want carrying the gun to try and pull his gun out and shoot the bad guy with people standing around or nearby. You know, you don't know. Is that extra stress of being in that situation going to affect him in a way that he's not going to be able to handle? But the guy who gets out there and trains once a month or several times a month or has been doing it for years and years, I would trust him more than I would possibly waiting on law enforcement to decide whether or not they wanted to breach the building, especially if there were, if there were episodes where he was alone a clear target, and there was no danger. Of course, you have to follow the four rules of gun safety. Be sure of your target and what is behind it. 
If he's standing in front of a bunch of old ladies, that's not the time to make your move. You'd have to wait until you had a clear shot. And even the police are in, they're in a similar situation. These can't just bust into a room and start shooting. They have to approach carefully, wait for the right moment, and then take advantage of it. And if you train, if you get out there and do this stuff, there are simulators you can get in which put you in similar situations. And practice precision drills. You know, if you're 10 or 15 yards away, could you hit a target six inches around consistently every time? And if you did miss that target, what's behind it? What are you going to hit if you don't hit your target? If it's going to be a wall or, you know, something strong enough to stop a bullet, that's fine. But if there's people behind him, would you trust yourself to take that shot and not hit an innocent bystander? You know, it's something to think about. And, you know, it's it would be tough for anybody in that situation because the adrenaline would affect your thought process. It would affect your motor skills. And you would have to decide in that spur of the moment if you felt confident enough and you felt sure enough of yourself to make that shot and not hurt anybody else. So just consider that when you carry a gun, beware of where you're carrying it. Be cautious where you carry it. Look for signs that tell you you can't or don't. But uh, make that decision for yourself. That's something that you all, everyone has to make for themselves to decide whether they violate company policy or whether they stand with the constitutional right that they've been given. And it seems kind of odd because I wonder if they could negate other rights could they say, oh, you can't have free speech in here? Which, you know, I guess they could. They could say, if you're a fan of the other sports team, we don't allow you in here. You can't talk about your team. You only have to support the team that this bar supports. What if they decided that, well, you know, rape or murder, those are illegal, but in our bar you're allowed to do either of those things. You can kill people and you can rape people, and that's fine because we're going to allow it here because our bar is its own country. Yeah, it's not. If your business exists within the United States, you have to follow the laws that are put forth by the United States. For you to be able to violate constitutional rights as a private business, to me, seems ridiculous. And without taking on the responsibility that you're taking away from these people who come into your establishment, then you have no right to tell somebody they can or cannot do something, especially if the law clearly states you can do something. To have them take away your rights is... completely ridiculous so I personally feel this should not even be a question but you know we've allowed this to come they've encroached on second amendment rights for decades and decades each time getting a little bit closer a little bit closer to banning weapons outright and you wonder why the government or why people want to do that because they don't want people to be able to defend themselves they want defenseless sheep that they can herd as they want because you notice no government agencies are giving up their guns when the Secret Service decides to go weaponless or gunless, then we'll talk. Then we'll say, okay, well, they have confidence in themselves using non-lethal weapons, so maybe we should consider looking at it also. If they think their lives are not worth defending with lethal weapons, then they're making the first step. They're setting an example. Go ahead. Set the example. Go ahead and lead by example. Show me what you think. If you think it's right, then go ahead and start off. Be the first one. Stand up. Make a point to say we are not going to use any lethal weapons in our defense in our defense contractors from here on out to defend any of these members of Congress or Senate or city council, whoever else it might be. When they do that, then I'll take a look and say, okay, they're practicing what they preach. I'll, I'll revisit the idea. But until that happens, yeah, there's no way that they're going to un- disarm American citizens and keep guns for themselves to defend themselves and their families. That's just such an elitist 
uh, attitude, it's beyond reproach. Nobody should be allowed to do that. They think they're royalty. They are not. This country was founded to eliminate royalty. All right, we're going to come back in a minute or so. We've got a few messages, and we're going to come back and talk about some of the great stuff that was unveiled at SHOT Show 2022. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio, live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I promised when I came back we're going to talk about some things in the SHOT Show. Now, this is probably the first year the SHOT Show has been in full swing, I think, since 2019. Now, last year they had it, and it was in person, but they had a lot of uh, manufacturers that didn't show and a lot of people who had a virtual presence rather than an actual one. <clears throat> but when you get into some of these things, they release some really neat stuff. Now, it's tough for firearm companies to do the research and development that they need when their weapons are being sold at incredible rates and their supplies are being diminished so quickly they can't supply their regular dealers. <coughs> Excuse me. So one thing I saw was Taurus has a very popular revolver called the 856 and it's available in blue and steel i think it's chambered upwards from i think it's chambered usually in 38 specials the most popular cartridge now they're bringing it out in a 327 federal magnum this is a cartridge based on the 32 caliber h&r magnum cartridge case but this it exceeds the performance of course by pushing towards Velocities that a 357 Magnum has without super heavy recoil because the bullet is a lot lighter. 
It's just a standard double action, single action, two inch barreled revolver. And it does have different calibers available for it. So you can check if you have a favorite. You can see if it's available for it. And it's relatively inexpensive. Um, it has their Taurus has a, an odd uh, grip setup where it has two different types of rubber of varying densities, which helps absorb a lot of the recoil. Now, the thing about the 327 Magnum is that it doesn't have quite as harsh of a recoil impact or in, in a recoil cycle as does like a 357 or even a hot 338 special. So your retails are going to be 371 in black and 388 in stainless and they should be available very shortly. So if you're interested in that cartridge, it will become available. <clears throat> Next up is the Polymer 80 AFT kit. Now this is done, they have this you get the fun of assembling the gun yourself and I believe as usual now the receiver is complete with the required parts to make it fully operational you have different barrel options it can build built as a compact and can be built as a full-size gun you have full control full control when you operate it and it does come serialized meaning you don't have to do any machining you don't need any tools it's basically just a gun you have to assemble yourself you put the parts in now this is an interesting concept because they also offer, Polymer 80 also offers some receivers that you have to finish yourself, and these are what are commonly known as kit guns, you know, or 80% lowers. And to be able to do that would be kind of neat too, but here you don't have to be a machinist, you don't have to worry if you've done it right, you just have to put the parts in place, put it together, and you can say you assembled your own gun. Now the parts kits start at $499. Now that's not bad, this is a... Um, the closest resemblance is it's similar to a Glock 19 or a Glock 17 in full-size version or compact version, and they do accept Glock magazines. But this does have to be purchased through an FFL dealer because it is a serialized lower receiver. It has fully finished, fully functional, and can be used right away. But this is good, too, because if you want to learn more about your weapon, taking it apart and putting it back together is one thing that's always a good idea. And here, if you buy the kit, you get to assemble it yourself. You learn much more about the weapon than if you just buy it off the shelf and learn how to field strip it. This goes a little beyond that. Now, if you're not interested in putting it together yourself or don't want to put all the parts in, the complete guns go anywhere from 600 to 640 So it's about a $100 difference between the kit and the complete gun. And if you want to spend the extra time, learn a little bit more about your weapon, you can get the kit and save yourself $100. So there is no drilling, no... You know, sanding, machining, the, 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 the weapon is complete. It just needs to be assembled. So that's kind of an interesting twist for them because they're usually big on stuff that needs to be machined, assembled, you know, sanded down, fitted properly. But this one should work right out of the box as long as you take the time to do the assembly. So that should be available. I believe it's available now. I checked the website on some of these things, and this one I think was already showing there. Now, some of these were sold out, and some of them were not. I don't know which dealers are going to be carrying these. I imagine most of them will for a $4.99 for a Glock clone. Not a bad price. So consider that. And if you don't want to do that, pay the 100 bucks more, get it fully assembled. <clears throat> the next thing I saw was the Smith & Wesson CSX. Now, this was an interesting gun because it's it's very compact, but it holds between 10 and 12. It comes with a 10 and 12-round magazine. Now, I'm assuming the 12-round magazine has a little bit more of a pinky groove on it. But both of the butt plates are low profile to prevent printing, printing 18 degree grip, similar to the Shield and the other Smith & Wessons. And this was new for the SHOT Show this year. 
and it, it seems like Smith and Wesson is really going for this um, compact carry weapon. They're they're pushing out lots of things in this category. Now this is a hammer fired single action semi-automatic, which means it, it does have a thumb safety. So you can carry it. If you want to carry it prepared, I think you carry it cocked with the safety on and locked. Unless it has a transfer bar safety and you can carry it with the hammer down, I'm not sure. It doesn't say how that works. But it does a very small weapon, very tiny, and it does have a very high capacity. And it has a textured removable back strap that's adjustable and a textured front strap, which is is uh, cut out on the front, so it gives you a good grip on it. And everything in the Smith & Wesson, their metal finishing is usually pretty good. It has a flat face trigger, which is kind of unusual. It's not curved like most of the standard pistol, and it has a very short pull and a quick reset. So accuracy should be pretty good with this gun, as with most Smith & Wessons. And it looks like they may have a winner here for somebody who doesn't want to carry something quite as big as a shield. This looks like it's a tad smaller than most of the shields. So look for that. The Smith & Wesson CSX, it doesn't say anything about availability. Usually if they bring it out for SHOT Show, it is available at the time it comes out or shortly thereafter. So you can go looking for this probably, I don't know, probably right away or pretty close. Call your local gun store, see if they got them coming in. But that might be something for a very small carry gun if you like the single-action carry style. That's up to you. Now, the next thing that came out is a, a gun by Kimber. Now, most people, when they think of Kimbers, they think 1911s. They build some very fine 1911s in all different, uh, I guess, stages up to like a competition grade and things like that. They have them with uh, a lot of features built on, and they are known for quality builds. So when they come out with a striker-fired compact pistol, that's something that's kind of out of their wheelhouse, not something that they've been known for. They have brought out before, I believe, a single-action, like a mini-1911 style weapon, but this is a striker-fired weapon. It's called the Kimber R7 Mako. It's a high-capacity subcompact pistol. It has a capacity of 13 plus 1 with the extended magazine or 11 plus 1 with a flush fit magazine. Now, if you see the extended magazine, it actually fits into the grip really nicely and curves around to give your hand a good place to rest. It looks like it's a little more contoured than some other guns who have the extended uh, grip on some of their pistols. But it's a really, it looks like a really nice weapon. There's no re, uh, reviews I've been able to find on it yet, and I don't exactly know when it's going to be available. And it does come optic ready. So you have a plate you can remove to put an optic on it, or it comes with the optic already installed. And the optic they decided to use was a crimson trace. So you can get it with the optic, the crimson trace optic, or you can just get it with the cut and you put whatever optic you want on there that will fit in the cut that they've made. It has a uh, magazine release on both sides, ambidextrous slide release, so it's got a lot of features that a full-size combat weapon would have in a subcompact, which is great, because if you're left-handed, you know, it's difficult for you sometimes to learn to operate things that are built for right-handed people. I don't have that problem. I'm pretty right-handed, but I have shot left-handed before just to practice because everybody should do that. If you've never shot left-handed before or never tried it, give it a shot. You may find that this may be an area that you need to put a little more practice into, especially if you're going around a barricade or going around a uh, you know concealment area or cover, and you're going around from from the left side, if it's it's open on the left side, and you if you had your right hand, you'd have to hang more of your body out to shoot. Learn how to shoot left-handed. 
it's a skill you can certainly use. Because going around a right side of a barricade, a right-handed person has the advantage. Going around a left-handed barricade, shooting left-handed will give you the advantage. Anyway, I've wandered off topic. But the Crimson Trace is available on the Kimber R7 Mako for $7.99. Without the Crimson Trace and just the gun with the optic cutout is $5.99. Now, that's not bad for most Kimbers. They tend to be a little pricier, but this tends to put it right in the range of some quality pistols that are right there. This is in the range of a, a Springfield Hellcat or even the new Smith & Wesson um, Shield, the Improved Shield. Shield Plus, I believe they call it. So this is right there in that same range. So if you prefer something a little different or you like Kimber products, you believe they build good stuff, this is something you'll look for instead of those other subcompacts we mentioned. I know Ruger also makes a subcompact. Taurus also makes a subcompact that are comparable. So that's something to consider. Now Kimber's in the game. And then you have the standard Smith & Wesson, and you have the SIG P365. So there's lots of choices. The subcompact field seems to be the one that's booming. It seems to be one where people can realize they can get 10 to 13, 14 rounds in a weapon that's a subcompact size that they can carry easily with not having a huge gun on their hip. This is something people want to see more of. And apparently the sales are showing this is where the gun companies are headed with this stuff. And the technology is catching up to where the magazine capacities can be almost what a full-capacity gun was just a few years ago, less than a decade ago. <clears throat> so consider that. Now, we talked about the Hellcat Springfield Armory. Springfield Armory has come out with a, I want to say a new gun, but it's not really a new gun. It's called the SA-35. Now, the SA-35 is an all-steel, 9-millimeter handgun that might look a little familiar because it is modeled after a Browning High Power. It has a very similar shape and features, and I don't know if... It is, I mean, it appears to be based on the high power where all the controls are, the shape of it, the grip angle, and high power magazines will fit this gun. And being an all steel gun, it's going to be a little heavier. This is for people who, who like the high power or like the single action design. Personally, I love the high power, but it's not something I would use as a carry gun. It would be more of something for nostalgia's sake for me. Now, if you love this gun and it's what you would want to carry, that's fine. These guns go between 600 and 699, depending on options and finishes and you know grip, gr the grip materials, things like that. So that's something to consider. If you're a high power fan, Springfield Armory is bringing out something that you may very well be interested in, and you can look for that between 600 and 699. Now, this is what I found interesting, but I could not find a price on this one. Taurus is bringing out the GX4 Toro. Now, this is another a micro 9mm pistol that has a cutout for a red dot, optic ready. And it's called the GX4. It has no manual safety. It appears to be striker fired, but it seems to have a really nicely designed grip. It looks like you have mag release on both sides, so it's ambidextrous. It's got a visual in-round chamber indicator, so you can tell whether it's loaded. It comes with two 10-round magazines. And if you wanted more, I'm sure somebody, maybe Taurus, will come out with an extended magazine with a tad more grip on it. But this, I looked for the price. I could not find it. But knowing what I know about Taurus's, I would imagine this falls in the $400 range somewhere retail. Somewhere between four and $500 would be my guess. <clears throat> You can always Google that and find out later, see if they have it released yet. I looked on Taurus's website, and they had no pricing information available at the time. But it's funny. It looks very similar to the Mako 7 that we talked about a few minutes ago, the Kimber R7 Mako. 
It looks similar to that, but Taurus, of course, is a, a usually less expensive line of handguns. And they're usually fairly reliable. Of course, everybody has had experience with almost every brand of handgun where there have been issues or problems. But, you know, if you trust the Taurus brand, if you like it, it, this looks like a really well-designed piece, and it looks like it comes, it can come with an optic, which it's odd that a lot of companies are going to the optic on these micro handguns now because I think once you learn how to shoot an optic gun, it takes away some of the unsure time frame you've got between when you draw a pistol and you try and line the sights up, that little red dot floats in there right in front of your face. If you learn to pull your gun and get a grip on it to where that dot appears every time, it's much easier to line that up because it draws your eyes to it much quicker than standard sights would. So uh, get out there, look for the Taurus GX4. It looks like almost everybody who's going to carry a gun is going to get some sort of micro or subcompact sort of weapon soon because they seem to be improving the breed tremendously. Used to be if you wanted something like this, you had such a limited choice and most everything was in 380 or 22 or 32. So you don't really had as you don't didn't have as much variety when it came to that. And now the micro pistols are coming out and they're chambered in nines. So get out there and take a look. If you want to Google stuff, look it up. they got all these new compacts. We'll come back in a few minutes. I've got a couple more to go over. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. That's what you'll hear if you're listening for the Classic Car Show. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about some new guns that have been revealed at SHOT Show. We talked about a Kimber. We talked about a Taurus. We talked about uh, some other stuff. Now I'm going to get to Smith & Wesson has another new gun out. This one is of interest to me because I'm a big fan of this cartridge. Now this is the M&P, which has been out for many years and has proven itself to be extremely reliable, very durable, and a very accurate pistol as well as very ergonomic. They have the adjustable back straps and everything to, to fit different size hands. They've really done a good job with designing this pistol, and they're keeping its longevity up by keeping it there. To me, now, this is just my opinion, but it seems like they're following some lessons that Glock has learned along the way. Make your magazines fit the same guns for generation after generation. Don't make everything proprietary. And other manufacturers will help you build products for your weapons and build stuff. So the M&P has been out for a while, and it's been a very popular gun. In fact, Glock is probably one of its main competitors in that type of striker-fired polymer frame design. 
and it's a great weapon. I've, I've shot them before. They are beautifully designed. And now they stepped up their game a little bit. And now the Smith & Wesson M&P is available in a 10 millimeter. Wow. So this the M&P lineup just keeps getting better and better. Now, this is the 2.0 version of the, uh, the M&P. So the pistol has a standard slide and an optic-ready slide option, which on a 10 millimeter to me is a huge advantage. Because a 10 millimeter has range beyond what a 9 millimeter does. Not to say a 9 millimeter isn't a great cartridge, it's one of my favorites, but if I want something with a little more oomph, with a little more range, a little more power, the 10 millimeter is my choice. I have 45s, but to me, the 10 millimeter gives you that extra range, it's a little flatter shooting, and the standard one holds 15 plus 1. As a manual thumb safety option is available, like on all the M&Ps, but if it's striker fired, you may not want any kind of safety option. It comes with the full-size uh, palm swells, which I think are small, medium, medium, large, and large, to give you the perfect grip. They they interchange the back strap with different sizes in width and in push back, so it fits your hand really well. <clears throat> and it says the slide is compatible with many manufacturers' optics based on a, a base plate adapter which is how most of all the optics are being fit on these pistol slides these days. The one day they may kind of they may try and standardize that. There are options for sights, optic optics, suppressor sight heights. Now I don't see anything about I don't see anything about a threaded barrel which to me on a 9mm would be good or an extended barrel even. Might be something, or even something with a break on it. With a threaded barrel, you could put a break on if you're running really hot 10 millimeter cartridges. But this is a great addition, I think, to the Smith and Wesson line. So, if you like the 10 millimeter cartridge and you're a big fan of the M&P, well, here you go. They've delivered in spades the Smith and Wesson M&P now available in a 10 millimeter, and this weapon starts at 654. So that's pretty standard. Now, the street price will probably be $100 less than that, usually. That's pretty standard with the Smith & Wessons. So if you're a Smith & Wesson fan, there you go. You've got something to look forward to this year. Now we're going to get into something a little more unique, a little more niche, I guess. Volkortsen, who's a company who's best known for making accessory parts for Ruger 1022s. They take the Ruger 1022 from a basic fairly accurate 22 semi-automatic to be on the limits of what the Ruger 1022 can do. They offer barrels, trigger packs, actions, bolts, carriers, everything to upgrade your Ruger 1022 to where it would almost be unrecognizable. But now they have actually built a complete weapon on their own. I think they had uh, 1022 variants available up until now, but this is a pistol. The Volkortsen ENV pistol. Now what it is, it looks like a long-barreled pistol. It comes in either a 6-inch barrel or a 9-inch barrel. You're thinking, 6-inch barrel on a 22? That's pretty long. And it's got a long receiver. It looks like a Ruger 1022 size receiver. So this is not a small pistol. This looks like it's based on a rifle-style design. However, it comes with a folding pistol brace, which to me is just awesome. So it was almost, it should be the closest you could get to a 22 caliber super accurate carbine. It appears to have a um, carbon fiber wrapped barrel or carbon, carbon fiber barrel sleeve. <coughs> and of course, like most Volkortsen stuff, it uses 
standard Ruger 1022 magazines, the 10, the 10 round rotary box magazine or any of the extended magazines that fit it. Lightweight carbon fibered barrel with a steel sleeve that goes up to the receiver to keep the weight down in the front. Has a Magpul MOEK grip, so it would be interchangeable with a lot of, um, AR-15 parts. The trigger pull, here you go. This is what Val Quartzen is known for, is their precision triggers. 1.15 pounds. You heard me right. 1.15 pounds is the pull weight on this trigger on this 22. That's crisp. It's fast. And if accuracy, if their previous accuracy and things they built is any indication of what they could put into this weapon... This may be one of the most accurate 22 pistols you can probably get. Of course, with the pistol brace and the long barrel, if you're firing it from your cheek or shoulder or whatever's allowed this week by the ATF, I don't know. <clears throat> they change the specifications sometimes. But if you fire it with a three-point brace with the front hand on the front of the gun, rear hand on the grip of the gun and the the brace hitting some other part of your body and you have three-point support, this should be an extremely accurate weapon. Now, it does not come with any sights. It appears to come with a Picatinny rail adaptable top receiver, so you should be able to mount whatever you want, an optic of some sort, whether it be a scope, whether it be a red dot, whether it just be standard iron sights matter on there, you have your options. Now, the Valcorton, as you know, they're not cheap. They make very high-quality, very precision parts and apparently now guns. This gun, with its 1.15 pound trigger, goes for $1,554. And it says six or nine inch barrel options, so I assume it could be either way with that. There might be price increases for different barrel lengths. But this is, like I say, it's more of a small rifle. This might be really good for someone who's into backpacking or needs something to carry in a car or camper as a just-in-case gun. This might be the perfect thing to carry. It doesn't list a weight, though. Which is kind of weird. I mean, they list the, the, they list the pull weight of the trigger, but they do not list the weight of the entire weapon. But of course, putting a sight on it would change whatever weight they have. But using a carbon fiber barrel and probably, hopefully an alloy type receiver, this gun would be fairly light and easy to pack along if you were taking it with you. So that's something to consider. Looks like a great choice. At 1554, that's going to eliminate a lot of people from wanting to buy this just to sit around in their backpack all day. Especially when Ruger has something that's, I think they have the chargers available that you can put a folding pistol brace on also, and they're probably a third of the price of this. But the Valquartan is the Cadillac. It's the top of the line. It's the the one by which all others are going to be judged as far as standards go. So if you have to have the best, there you go. The Valquartan's there, $1,554. Next, and finally, I come to the Trailblazer Pack 9. Now, this is a fascinating weapon. It has a, because it is a pistol caliber carbine, but it's got, I guess it has to have a pistol grip if it's in the pistol class. You pivot the top half of the carbine towards the rear, in other words, it spins and the shoulder stock collapses, making it much shorter. It's less than 21 inches when folded down. The magazines are Glock compatible, and a spare one can be stored in the stock. So this is another gun that would be considered as a, tra- a Trailblazer Pack 9. It has in the name Pack, so it would be something that you would take in a backpack. Now, it doesn't list a weight here. I'm sure the idea is to keep it. Oh, here we go. Weighs about 5 pounds overall. 
Now, that does not seem to include any sort of sight. They, the picture they have shows it with a red dot, which would not be a bad choice on something like that. And a non-millimeter would give you a little more power, <clears throat> offer a little more protection than carrying a twenty-two that the Volkortsen was chambered in. And the fact that it can store one magazine in the grip and one magazine on the stock means you grab that one weapon, you've got a package ready to go. And the magazines are Glock-compatible which is something that now manufacturers are starting to realize that Glock being one of the most prolific magazines in the business because the Generation 2 and up, I think, all fit the same magazine. Your Generation 2 Glock mag will fit a Generation 5 Glock. Now, you won't be able to use the Ambi Safety because it doesn't have a catch on that side, but I believe they all fit and work and function. So if you have any Glock mags, they work on almost anything Glock. The only limitation is some of the lengths are different. You obviously can't put a shorter magazine into a longer length grip. But this looks like an amazing weapon. Now, all this coolness and all this uh, functionality does not come cheap. <clears throat> 16-inch steel ba- barrel is threaded, comes threaded. 1 in 10-inch twist, which is great for a 9-millimeter cartridge. This could actually, you know, be used as a truck gun as well, I think. You know, you could probably have this in a truck as a as a rifle version. So that would be something to consider. You know, because now, of course, Ruger has their pistol caliber carbine. CZ has one. HK has one. There's so many people. With the advent of the, of the pistol brace, all these 9-millimeter carbines can come around. This one though, $1,795. Not going to be the cheapest thing on the block, so take a look if you got to have it. If not, look around. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.